What is up? We are back. This is Football Life presents the Audible episode 93 on this Tuesday, January 25th. Divisional round in the books. One of the greatest rounds of football uh, that we'll see in modern times. Cannot wait to get into it. But Matt Bushnell here joining me. I'm your host, Randy Hammond. Matt, number 93, uh, sticking with the defensive numbers here. Um, You got a good one for us to start off the show? Yeah, I'm going to go with one of my personal favorites that you brought up in uh, our pre-show meeting randy and that's Calias campbell I, I i love the mountain of a man blocking field goals oh <laughs> always think he's very underrated great player love him that's the guy you want yeah absolute beast uh guy we just saw this weekend comes to mind for me and dominican sue uh you know he played with you know seven different teams or so you know he's been on a number of them but a pretty dominant force uh, no matter where he is you go back in time a little bit, the Minnesota Vikings, John Randall, absolute stud, absolute lunatic of a man, but a great football player in his own right back in the day. Uh, and then I always think of uh, Richard Seymour, too. He's on those great Patriots teams uh, of the early aughts. So, um, yeah, we're in it now, Matt. Uh, only two games, uh, three games left of the, of the season. We're in the final four. Um, how are you feeling about everything? I feel like after this weekend, it's just hard to not feel great about getting to watch football every weekend still. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad, Randy. This is a pretty sad time for me, you know. Um, see, see, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel is not a good thing in the NFL because yeah. now I have to figure out what to spend my – uh, well, you know what? Golf season's upon us in Arizona, so I always got golf. Um, there you go. Base, baseball isn't looking too good, but, man, I just need more NFL in my life. Well, let's stretch this thing out until August. Well, it feels very much longer. The extra week has kind of felt like the season has been dragging on so much more. Uh, and I am certainly not going to complain about that at all. So um, just keep it coming. Uh, give me all the football you got because uh, I'm here for it. So, um, like I said, legendary divisional matchup, uh, some exciting finishes, um, some exciting games. But we had some news, and there's a lot of GM uh, – there, there was three GM openings, and there's a bunch of head coach openings, and, you know, some of these are getting worked out as we speak. But only one hire has been made so far, and we're going to start off the show with that. The Giants no longer have – the Giants have a general manager, and, is, and it is no longer Dave Gettleman. Praise the Lord. It is Joe Shane, the assistant general manager for the Buffalo Bills, who worked alongside Brandon Bean. Uh, he worked alongside Bean – with the Carolina Panthers uh, back in the day and then went with him uh, to do that with Buffalo, I believe. And then I think Shane had a stint in Miami as well. So he's been around the NFL for a little over 20 years and he's in his early forties. So I love the things that he has said so far. I'm looking forward to his introductory press conference tomorrow. And this, if you see how the bills run, you watch the game over the weekend, you see how the development of Josh Allen has gone. They are an incredibly talented football team. When he was brought into Buffalo, they were in a similar situation that the Giants were in. They were in cap hell. They weren't exactly the most competitive football team. And in four years, uh, they have sort of turned it around and become one of the AFC uh, contenders. So um, obviously he's never been a GM, but I like the hire. I like uh, everything that's been said about him. All of his colleagues seem to uh, praise just being around him and how his leadership skills and his attention to detail. These are the kind of things I'm looking for after you had a hack like Gettleman who didn't know such thing and no one really had a lot of good things to say about him. And he's not in that, he's not a hire from inside. That's also what I like about it. Because Gettleman was clearly a Giants guy, had worked in the organization before. There was a familiarity to it, and he was hired on the contingent that he would keep, you know, Eli Manning. There's none of that here. As far as I know, they keep saying the words carte blanche. He's going to have a fresh slate to do whatever he needs to do, and that's what I truly like. So we're going to find out if Joe Shane is a good GM, but so far, I feel like the Giants process uh, has has been good so far. Yeah, I think for me, um, 
you know, just, you know, a, a piece of advice seeing rebuilds and stuff. And you know, obviously <laughs> the Giants are no stranger to it. It's just patience. You, you don't know. This guy's n- never had this position before, um, you know, and GMs definitely like to put their imprint on a team early. So it'll just be interesting to see. It's not a great quarterback draft. The Giants have two top seven picks, which is, you know, okay for this draft. Um, you, you might be able to get a guy like Thibodeau. Um, I, I think Neil's out of reach. I just don't see the Giants being able to move to get Neil. So, uh, you know, he's got two picks to really kind of establish what type of team he's looking for. It's going to tell you a lot about what his philosophy is. Um, I, I think if I were a Giants fan, I would just hope to build on the offense and defensive lines. Mm-hmm. That No more skill position players for right now because this team is so far away they're not in a good cap situation. So you, you want to start developing those pieces. So when you do identify your quarterback of the future, you have the infrastructure around him to protect him, which would go a long way. Yeah. And I think the other aspect of it is to look at the drafting of Josh Allen, right? Uh, you had um, Baker Mayfield already off the board there and you had, you know, Rosen still there. You had Darnold already off the board. And, and Lamar Jackson obviously wasn't really considered at that point, but he was clearly uh, looked at as a project by most people. And most scouts did not think he could play at the next level. You and I had been very critical of Josh Allen, yep. uh, even up until last year. Um, so the, the foresight for him to see Josh Allen, and I guess in the building, he was one of the biggest fans and supporters of taking him at number seven overall. And to see it through with the rest of the talent and coaches around him to make it work. For me, that tells me he's done his homework. He's met with the guy. He knows the, the quality of person that he is. He's going to work hard to get the job done. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for here because I can have my doubts, but I'm not putting the work in. I only watch highlights. I only watch some tape here and there. I'm not studying the guy. I'm not studying the football player in depth like these guys are getting paid a lot of money to do. So I'm willing to put my trust into this guy's hands. Uh, until he's proven to me that I, I shouldn't. And honestly, we're at a point now being in Giants fandom that he's got time. <laughs> he's going to have, uh, you know, probably two, three years just to show some progress. And hopefully after that, we'll see where we're at. But um, I like everything I've heard about him. Brandon Bean speaks very highly of him, and that says everything to me. So I'm excited. Um, hopefully we'll see what he does with the head coaching hire this week. Uh, seeming like it's going to be a, a Brian, whether it's Flores or Dable. Uh, Dable makes sense, given the Bills connection. So uh, bring it on. It's a new new time to be a Giants fan, and I'm, I'm happy with the upgrades that are seemingly in place. So I'm um, not saying they're going to be a contender anytime soon, but when you think about a rebuild, you, want, you need to get the initial hires right for that to work. Uh, and so far, um, I'm liking how the Giants just completely threw out the whole family business thing and hired outside of the organization. So. I'm happy about that, Matt Bushnell. We'll keep everyone updated on the head coaches and general manager searches around the league uh, as they come in. No uh, head coaches have been hired yet, but I expect by Thursday, maybe we'll have some news on that when we uh, come back and do our preview show. So preview, speaking of previews, I mean, this will be the next week. The, the official final four championship round is set, but the divisional round, all time stuff, entertainment value from the first game to the very last overtime unbelievable weekend of football really made up for how many kind of lackluster games there were in the wild card round. Now, before we get into each individual game, Matt, do you think this kind of showcases how the NFL is top heavy in the way that each of these teams were very much evenly matched and there are eight, eight great teams, maybe eight contending teams. And then the rest of the league is just kind of like, 
we're not even close to this yet? Or do you kind of feel like there is there, there's a little bit more uh, of, a, of a competitive balance than I'm thinking of? Because I kind of felt like, hey, these are the eight teams and everyone else is just trying to play catch up. Uh, yes and no. I don't think that the Cardinals are as far away as a lot of people may feel. I feel the Chargers are on the right path. Um, also, the Raiders, you know, for a season that's been in total disarray, they've lost so many people. I think they're closer. I, I think what this weekend proved, though, out of anything, is that if, if you're not going to have an elite-level quarterback, you damn well better be able to play an elite-level defense. Yeah. And if you have one of those two, you have a chance. And I think what we saw from Mahomes and Allen, though, just shows like the balance of power in the AFC is clearly with the Chiefs. I mean, the the, the Chiefs are going to run this conference for a long time, as long as they have number 15 back, they're healthy and they keep on drafting well. Mm -hmm. Tennessee's a feel-good story, but it just goes back to, you know, and, and Mel lopez in the chat melvin thank you for chiming in he wants Tannehill gone it just goes to show like you can have a great running game but it doesn't really matter in the end because this is a quarterback driven league you have to be able to put points up and joe burrow showed once again that he's that guy so you just to me it's a quarterback league it cemented that i i think it'll even cement it even further when we take a look at you know a possible super bowl matchup which we'll get to in our conference preview show, which is Thursday. But to me, I don't think it's a wide gap from one to 10. Now I do believe from, you know, one to 10 after that, it's a steep decline and your bad teams like the bears, um, the giants, the jets, the lions, um, you know, and some other teams there, you know, to just name a few have a long ways to go but if if you have a young quarterback in place like some of these two like the patriots do like the bears do like the jaguars do um you you have some hope there you you have some hope some bright spots so you just have to see how they develop this is why to me a quarterback will always be an mvp it is clearly the most important position and you saw the guys who played decent this weekend uh advance besides one guy who we'll get to that game <laughs> later yeah. but uh three of the four winning quarterbacks played really well uh and advancing it to theirs and honestly one of the losing quarterbacks played unbelievable too and unfortunately uh is going home too so we're gonna start with that game the game of the year uh, perhaps perhaps the best playoff football game ever and it would be hyper, hyperbolic but my god the the excitement level from the fourth quarter on from when it was 26 21 chiefs over the bills this was as an entertaining stretch of a football game i have ever watched and then you know obviously if you like defense you probably didn't enjoy it as much but the level of quarterback play how high of a level that josh allen and patrick mahomes were both playing in you have to just sit back in awe and just marvel and how well those two guys played and you know, if you go back to the point where it was 26-21, it was fourth and 13. Josh Allen hits Gabriel Davis for one of his four touchdowns. If that is not converted, that game is over with. The Chiefs get a couple first downs. They run out the clock, ball game. And then <laughs> the Chiefs drive down the field and score a touchdown with Tyreek Hill. Just absolutely outruns every angle possible, scores a touchdown. Then the Bills, seemingly done, but they're not done. Gabe Davis puts on an absolute 
ridiculous double move. The corner falls down like he just took a speech in music from Shawn Michaels right to the mm-hmm. face. <laughs> Wide open in the end zone. Josh Allen hits him. 13 seconds left in the game. It's over with, right? Right. I mean, three seconds left. How could you possibly – or a th- three-point lead. This game's over with 13 seconds. No. Patrick Mahomes, this is also why you, you save your timeouts, kids, because you can see the difference between the Cowboys trying to storm a comeback with no timeouts and the Chiefs being able to do it in less time with three timeouts. The first play to Hill, okay, I'm fine with, with the Bills' defense. The second one to Kelsey, you know two guys that they're looking for. is Hill and Kelsey, and you still left them both wide open in a point where you could get them down the field goal range in two plays. Unbelievably bad scheming by the Bills' defense in that point in time. Butker still had to make the kick. Already missed a kick earlier in the game, so it was not an easy kick by any means. Buries it, ties the game up, and obviously people are going to complain about the overtime rules. Matt Bushel, it happens every single time this game, uh, this sort of thing happens. But the Chiefs storm down the field in overtime, score the game when he touched down to Kelsey. Excitement level through the roof, Matt. Your takeaway here, we can talk about the overtime rule after that. Yeah, I'm 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 going to address the Kelsey catch because I, I think that's the more in, interesting aspect of it. Um, Kelsey went into the end zone or went to the huddle and talked to Mahomes and like, mm-hmm. hey, let me run this route. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to have it. And Mahomes kind of called it off, but then he saw at the line of scrimmage, he saw that it was open and he told Kelsey, do it, do it. I've never seen anything like that too. Yeah. It's so cool. I, I mean, th- th- this is what makes the Chiefs unguardable in, in a lot of these instances. Um, they could have called the right defense. The players could have been in the right spots, right. but Mahomes and Kelsey to be able on to be on that level to understand what to do in that game. Th- th- this is why I am so high on the Chiefs every year, because when you have number fifteen and you have those skill position players at your disposal, that the way they do and the way they see the game, they see the game differently from every other team. That is why they're so hard to defend. And it took the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl with maybe the greatest quarterback of all time and the Chiefs missing four starting offensive linemen to beat them last year in the Super Bowl, this Chiefs team is basically unguardable. When they get in a groove, you cannot stop them. The Bills did a pretty okay job, but we saw the flurry of points after the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. These teams were playing pinball at that point. But that's the thing with the Chiefs is that they have the ability to keep going and going and going. The clock is not their enemy. They don't need a lot of time. We could talk about the kickoff out of bounds. I saw a Bears game, you know, the Bears and the Falcons, I think in 2017, 16-ish, maybe sooner than that, one of Matt Ryan's first years. So probably a little bit longer than that. Robbie Gold squib kicks it. Uh, Falcons return it, get to the 37 or 38-yard line. I saw the highlight the other day. And Matt Ryan just throws a dart to the sideline, gets them in field goal range. Kicks the field goal, game over. So really, it's a field position matchup at that point. But the thing with the Chiefs is they can do this so often. I can't really fault the Bills for how they defended the last 13 seconds. In overtime, you know, it, it was just a freight train at that point. Like like we say, once the Chiefs get into that groove, that they are unstoppable. There's not a defense out there that can stop them when they are fully healthy. And we saw that in the Bills game. I think the timeouts matter just as much as anything here um, because you can call those plays up the middle and it helps that, you know, you have that crutch of a timeout. You know, obviously the Cowboys went through the same issue a week prior um, where they didn't have a timeout and they needed to rush to spike the ball and they ran out of time. 
Uh, I feel like Reed has been criticized before with how he manages the clock. Both these teams having timeouts at the end of this game was absolutely massive to make their drives work. And the squib kick, I understand that argument 100% that you should have squibbed it to, to take off a couple seconds because every second does count against the Chiefs, as we did see. Um, but maybe the squib would have given them better field position, like you just said. But maybe I think the better strategy would be don't kick it into the end zone. Kick it to the one and yeah. make them return it. And that way, if you can tackle them by the time they get to the 25, nothing changes except the fact they have nine seconds now instead of 13. I mean, maybe they still get down there with one second left. Who knows? But nonetheless, <laughs> it's the Chiefs, and they're absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I think every Bills fan was probably feeling very optimistic with 13 seconds left and thinking, hey, there's no way they can blow this. Hmm. Either way, you saw what just happened with Tyreek Hill, and he had just outran every angle that you could think of for a touchdown. Even if you're not getting a field goal range, how am I supposed to believe that Mahomes isn't going to at least get a shot at the end zone here um, and Hill could out, you know, run down the field and maybe catch a touchdown? You know, and then, you're, then you lose in regulation. So the Bills didn't get the stop with 13 seconds left. We know that. Then it comes down to the overtime rule, Matt Bushnell. You know how I feel. I've been having this argument for <laughs> the whole day <laughs> afterwards. Um, to me, the, it does not come down to a, a coin flip. It comes down to the number one defense in the NFL not being able to hold the Chiefs to a field goal. I understand the Chiefs are humming. I understand Chiefs are a great offense. But they changed the rule from a field goal to a touchdown because scoring a touchdown is much more difficult. And especially with a long drive, when you get into the red zone, there's less field to work with. There's less space overall. Teams are not as good as the red zone as they are beyond that. To me, there's always a bend, don't break aspect to this. Just give up three and you get the ball back into your guys' hands with a chance to win the game. And they fail to do that. Defense, there's three There's three aspects to football. Matt, you know this. Offense, defense, special teams. The other two matter so much more than we ever imagined. And you saw those special teams mattering in another game we're going to talk about a little bit later. To me, the Bills' defense let them down here. And it's not like you had to even get them to punt. You, all you needed to do was hold them to a field goal, and the Bills failed to do that. Yeah, to me – we could talk about the overtime and a lot of different aspects of it. You know, we could say, Oh, just get a stop or, you know, both teams need to get a possession to me. It's, I like the college overtime the best because I, I think that gives you the best of both worlds. You get to see the offense and defense, both teams get a chance, but defense still matters to stop these teams. Sometimes it does get ridiculous though. When you see a big 12 game in like seven overtimes and yeah. it's 70 to 69. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. Yeah, that's that's what would have happened in this game. <laughs> that's what would have happened. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you could be right there. Um, and the, the other argument is okay, so the Chiefs get the ball for first, they score, then Buffalo gets the ball, they score a touchdown, and then the Chiefs get the ball back and they score a touchdown game over. Like it, what's the difference? It, it, yeah, it's like th this was gonna be the end result for those who complain about the coin toss. I mean, if to me, defense still has to matter at some point. I'm more on the fence. I, I could go either way with it. I don't really care, but I'm not going to illegitimate or delegitimize. I'm not sure if that's a word. I have to look that one up. But delegitimize the Chiefs' win here. It, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. The Chiefs were at the other end of this when the Patriots did it to them back uh, four years ago. 
And I said then the Chiefs defense needed to get a stop. And if uh, it wasn't Frank Clark then, I forgot who it was, jumped off sides. Um, who was it? You remember who it was, right? D4, I think it was. He jumps off sides. And if he doesn't, the Patriots punt. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about how the Chiefs defense got a stop and the, the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. So um, it's totally relying on being able to hold them to a field goal or get a stop. And I, 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 I like that aspect of the rule. I think at some point you have to be able to, to get a stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day, you just have to realize that this is what it is. The system is what it is. Hold them to a field goal. Then then you get the ball back. Yeah. But, you know, with, with these offenses, it, it was always going to end this way you now. So to me, it doesn't matter. To me, I'm OK with it either way. And even when if you look up the rule itself, I like the, even the way it's written. And it says both teams are uh, awarded. Both teams should have possession of the ball in overtime unless the team scores a touchdown on their initial possession. Why is that complicated? It's not that complicated. Yeah. To me, the rule is very simple. You bend, don't break. And I know scoring a field goal in overtime, which is how it used to happen, you could just lose by a team going 30 yards. That doesn't seem right. You know, I, I agree with changing that part of it. Um, a touchdown is much harder to do. And whether it's the Chiefs or not, you know, you still have the number one defense in the NFL. Uh, I still think you should have had it. You know, should have been able to hold in the field goal. So, um, unbelievable football game, Matt Bushnell. Truly entertainment value at its peak. I don't think I've ever felt my heart race more in a game that didn't involve my own team. Like, truly, like, what you did not know what was going to happen here. Um, I just want to read you the final stat lines for both quarterbacks because they both led their teams in passing and rushing. Uh, Josh Allen finished 27 of 37, 329 yards, four touchdowns. He had 11 carries for 68 yards. And then Patrick Mahomes, 33 of 44, 378 yards, three touchdowns. Seven carries for 69 yards and a rushing touchdown. No picks, no turnovers. Basically flawless games from both of these guys. And I got to say, I don't think I'll ever criticize Josh Allen quite the way we had in the past. He has earned it for me. Probably the best game he'll ever play. And somehow, and of course, Mahomes does what Mahomes does and somehow outmatches him. So my credit to both of these guys. I just had to say thank you. It was a great game. Yeah, I mean, right now we're looking at the two best quarterbacks in the NFL heading into next year. And that... I would even say put that with Brady and Rogers coming back next year. I think these two are the, your next ascension into the quarterback pantheon here. And to me, it's not a bad spot to be in. What a great game. What a fun game to watch. My only regret was that this was not the AFC championship game because it should have yeah. been. It feels, yeah, it does feel weird knowing next week's not the Super Bowl. <laughs> we still have another <laughs> round to go before that. So, uh, man, I, I, I just think they should, these two teams should pack up, travel to L.A., and make this the Super Bowl <laughs> in three yeah. weeks. Yeah. No, this, I, was, he, this is a great game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a great game, but I, I, I don't like that thought because I, I do think the NFC has some interesting teams here, and I do think the Rams are very box office I mean, you get the Rams in the Super Bowl, it's going to be great. And also the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers provide some interesting storylines. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll get to predictions and stuff next week. But let's talk about how we got here first. So the Chiefs, that was the last game of the weekend. Holy hell, like had to be. Because if anything were to follow that, it would just be a miserable failure. Yeah. Um, like Hawaii, like the Hawaii uh, 10210 show, uh, 90210 show that aired right after on the broadcast that they couldn't even do a post game <laughs> show because it went in overtime. Like no one's watching that shit. Everyone's turning on the sports show to watch a recap. Uh, so I feel bad for that. But so who are the Chiefs going to play? Well, let's go over to the number one seed in the AFC on Saturday, the first game of the weekend to find out. 
this is the Bengals and Titans. The Bengals number one overall seed, like we said, with the bye week. And then getting in the red hot Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Shiesty at the helm here. Look, this game was crazy interesting. Uh, we both thought the Bengals were going to pull it out, and they did 19 to 16 over the Titans. I did say 29 26. So it's just 10 points off for both teams. No big deal. Um, but this game comes down to two different things for me. And honestly, it's both about the quarterback play because Joe Burrow got sacked nine times in this game. Nine times. It's unreal to think about nine times. And he still threw for 350 yards. Like, that's crazy. Like, that is poise. That is just the ability to get right back up and not let it phase you. I absolutely love that about Joe Burrow. On the flip side, first play of the game for the Titans, Ryan Tannehill throws an interception. Halfway through the game, when the, uh, the Titans have momentum going, Ryan Tannehill throws an interception. And at the very end, when it's tied at 16 and you need just a field goal to win the game, Ryan Tannehill absolutely shoots himself in the foot and throws an interception, leading to Burrow finding Chase, setting up the field goal from Evan McPherson, who was absolutely money. And uh, coming down to the difference of quarterback play, Burrow had one pick, had the one turnover. That wasn't a good throw, one good decision. But Tannehill made more bad decisions. And ultimately, I thought both of these defenses played well, but Tannehill played worse. Yeah, I find it hilarious that Evan McPherson was on the sideline. You know, he's like, well, boys, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game. I love it, and I hate it, though. I would hate it because I would just feel like if I missed, I'd be the biggest jackass. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to give a lot of love here to both teams because the Tennessee Titans defense absolutely deserved to move on. Um, you know, there's, there's only so much you can do with Jamar chase and you can only hold them down for so long. And I I thought Tennessee did about as good of a job as you could possibly do. And kudos to them. My biggest question for Tennessee was, can their secondary hold up against the Cincinnati wide receivers? And, you know, for the most part, they did okay. Yeah. Um, Tannehill, absolutely brutal. But I just go back to like, this is who we always thought he was. I know people, you know, we talked MVP consideration, this and that. Tannehill's just not that guy. I mean, you you saw a real quarterback play against him and Burrow just took shot after shot after shot. And for him to stay in the pocket and to be able to deliver strikes and to be able to manage the game so they could get a win, kudos to them. And also kudos to the Bengals defense for really holding stout against the run. Um, I know one of the big things was one of their defensive linemen had a concussion, but he was cleared to play. Uh, God, I can't remember his name. But, you know, regardless, you, you held the Titans in check enough where Derrick Henry didn't beat you. Um, the two-point conversion call was curious, I thought, when they scored their first touchdown. Um, I don't hate the play. If they block that backside backer, Henry gets in for two. But what does that change in this game? I mean, maybe you don't have to rush. You could try to run Henry to not get that last second field goal. But I guess my moral of the story is, like, you got to be really decisive and really careful what you do with your quarterback going into a last two-minute drive. Because if you have Tannehill, I'm going to take the more conservative approach. I'm going to try to run the football, see if I can break one. If I can't, I'm content with going to overtime. If I got a guy like Joe Burrow, I'm going to push the envelope. And I I think we saw both sides of the sword on this one, and it cut Tennessee, and, you know, Cincinnati's moving on. I don't hate the two-point conversion decision because ultimately I think you should coach aggressive and coach to win. However, um, you kick a field goal or kick the extra point, you're still winning the game at that point. And then also 
you had a fourth and one at midfield in the second half of this game. And instead of going for it, you punt. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense to me to be aggressive in one spot and not in the other, especially as a tie game and your defense was playing well. And it's not like the Bengals were moving the ball that well on you. So to me, in a a situation of desperation, I would rather go for it on fourth and short. Uh, Give it to your big back and Derrick Henry and try to get a single yard. Uh, It's essentially the same decision you're making, except it's not for two points. It's to move the chains. So I think you get that and you demoralize the Bengals a little bit and you can come down and score points on your own. He didn't do that, and, you know, ultimately uh, it failed you. So, yeah. uh, man, Joe Burrow just feels so cool <laughs> under pressure at all times. It feels like he was made for these types of moments. And Evan McPherson, like you've mentioned, the confidence of him uh, is just out of control. Two things about the Bengals' defense. Hendrickson, their best player, the all-pro, not hurt, not, not even really healthy in this game, played hurt, uh, didn't play a ton of snaps. The secondary is a bunch of retreads, and it consistently makes plays. Bates, the play by Hilton, where he batted the ball up in the air and was able to pick it off in the red zone, that saved, that changed the whole game, and that was a massive play. And that's that's watching film. That's just having the wherewithal to know that that ball was getting thrown out quickly enough. Uh, and uh, much to my despair, the, the former Giants making plays in this game, B.J. Hill and fucking asshole Eli Apple mm-hmm. deflecting a ball at the end of the game, forcing uh, – upon later on uh that drives me just absolutely nuts <laughs> but it's, it's what it is this is what the Bengals are a bunch of just no-name guys who who make plays so uh, i'm excited to watch burrow versus Mahomes. i think burrow is going to be around and relevant for a very long time and uh the Bengals. have you if you're a fan of the Bengals and dealt with dalton for so long and just overall mediocrity ever since boomer left uh, i mean carson palmer had a nice run before he got hurt but this is you got to feel as good as about the Bengals as you've ever felt at this point. Right. I mean, this is, I mean, the quarterback is in place. You need to build up the offensive line, but it seems like you have a real, real foundation in place, no matter what happens this week. My issue with the Bengals and it kind of showed its ugly head um, this game is that you can't let Joe Burrow get hit that many times. And, you know, we've seen quarterbacks get hit like that and they just are never the same after a while. Now, Burrow's kind of that rare breed where he needs to get hit to feel like he's a part of the game, which is fine. Yeah. But, you know, you, you can't have your franchise quarterback get abused like that. And the Bengals absolutely, unequivocally have to figure a way out to get that offensive line approved. Now, I'm not saying Chase was a bad pick, but, I mean, he's been great. And that's a hell of a building block. They're probably not here without Chase. Right. But at the same time, you know, your quarterback cannot get hit that many times and for you to be okay with it. it that is not good football. It's not smart for your future. Mm-hmm. So I, I would go heavy. I, I'm not sure if I would pick anybody else but an offensive lineman in the draft <laughs> at, at this point, just to make sure you got to protect your most valuable asset. And I, I do want to circle back to the two-point conversion. The, the thing that bothers me about this when it comes to coaching, I'm okay for being aggressive, but it would have been eight to six if you convert yeah. that, right. if, if you would have gone up nine to six, that makes more sense to me, yeah. but ha- having that two point cushion, just kick the extra point at that point, yeah. because that extra point actually probably wins them the game. If you take a look at the score of 16, 16 mm-hmm. on that final drive, but being up 17 to 16 kind of changes your philosophy a little bit there. And you're not forcing Ryan Tannehill to lead you on a last minute drive. I, I do agree. If you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive at midfield, mm-hmm. but you know, the Bengals took advantage of the mistakes. That's why they're moving on. 
Yeah, I still think Rabel probably is going to win coach of the year, but he really made some questionable decisions in this game. And um, I look at, too, I think a lot of people look at Derrick Henry coming back and just assumed he would be his normal self. I don't think he looked like his normal self at all when you get a metal plate put in your foot. <laughs> I think it's going to slowly slow you down, and I think you saw that. And he had 20 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown, but Deontay Foreman only had four carries and had more rushing yards. So uh, I think Henry looked a little bit on the slow side, looked a little bit rusty, but I mean, that's what's going to happen when you don't play for two months. It's just part of it. So <clears throat> the, the Titans are going to always going to have this ceiling to me. If, if you have this quarterback and I like Tannehill, I think he's done really good for them the last few years, but in the playoffs, this is a trend with Tannehill. He always comes up short and it's always the moment's just too big for him. Sort of the opposite of what we're seeing from Burrow. So if you're a Titans fan, I guess you kind of knew the number one seed was a, a bit of a, not fraudulent, but I do think it wasn't exactly hundred percent. Like this was warranted. They beat a lot of the best teams. That's why they were there. So um, this is it. One and done for the Titans. All right, time to move on to the NFC now. The AFC Championship going to be the first game as well. Bengals, Chiefs, can't wait for that on Sunday. Now let's see what the NFC matchup is, and we're going to start with this past Sunday and the Bucks and the Rams. And this game honestly was not a great game for most of it. The, no. the Rams were up twenty to three at halftime, and they were up twenty-seven to three in the third quarter. The Bucks looked totally outplayed, they're totally done for. But then the Rams let the Bucks hang around, made some cute, uh, crucial mistakes, a couple of turnovers, a fumble by Cam Akers, a fumble by Cooper Cup, and next thing you know, this game was tied up at twenty-seven in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady, like I said, and when Henry asked us about the conversation with Rodgers and Brady last week, Brady has this psychological impact that no other quarterback I've ever seen. Other teams just vomit all over themselves when they play Tom Brady. They can't just dominate and move on. They have to sort of, uh, hey, let's get Tom Brady back involved. That would be fun. No, it's never fun. Uh, he hit Evans on a long touchdown, and then Fournette scored a touchdown. Eventually, this game was tied. But here comes the Matt Stafford moment. He's never going to have that moment with the Lions, but this was his moment here after the game was tied with 20, at 27. I think there was about a minute left. And then Stafford has a completion to cup and then a deep completion to cup. Uh, I believe that one went, uh, that wasn't the 70 yarder. Maybe it was a 70 yarder. I'm not, I don't really remember, but it was a deep one. Uh, and they run down the field. Stafford's directing everyone to yell, run, 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 telling everyone spike, 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 he spikes it down. Three seconds left. Matt Gay comes on, kicks the game winning field goal as time expired. And it is the Los Angeles Rams slaying the Tom Brady dragon. Um, and this was a, a moment for Stafford and he played pretty well in this game. I thought uh, 28 of 38 uh, for 366 yards, two touchdowns. He didn't make the back breaking mistake that you were expecting him to. I think that was <laughs> belonged to the cup and belonged to, uh, to Cam Akers here, but the Rams defensive line dominated for a lot of this game. And overall, the Rams really looked like the superior team for most of it. Um, and if you don't have this bucks uh, comeback, we're not really questioning much about the Rams at this point, but it is Tom Brady. And this is what Tom Brady does ultimately being down that much wasn't enough for the bucks to overcome. And I, and personally watching this game, I felt like the best team came out on top. Yeah, I felt like the Rams were the best team <laughs> this entire game, but just the mistakes, you know, the missed field goal, the fumble, yep. you know, just those things that happen that shouldn't happen. Cam Akers fumbling on the one, <sighs> like all these things led to a more competitive game than what they should be. But I mean, this was not a good game by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't find it aesthetically pleasing. I didn't go back and like, man, both teams played really well. This is like the opposite of the Bills and Chiefs game. Yeah. This was literally the Rams trying to give the Bucks every opportunity to win this game. And then finally, when it mattered most, Matthew Stafford made a huge play to Cooper Cup 
And for some reason, you know, that, that Bucks secondary all game, nothing but miscommunication. And I think this is what hurts Todd Bowles when it comes to becoming a head coach again. Yeah. Like you, you can't screw up those little details. It hurts a lot and it killed the Bucks. And I, I find it interesting, you know, I think in my personal opinion, and we'll talk about this throughout the offseason, I'm sure. I think this was Tom Brady's last game, Randy. I, yeah. I, I really do. The arm didn't look as electric as it did last postseason. Like, I didn't feel like Brady could not make every throw last year. This year, there were some throws that I was like, I'm not sure if Brady can make that. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he made some key throws when he had to. The touchdown pass to Mike Evans was really nice. Um, put in a spot where only Evans can catch it. But to me, it's just kind of like, I, I don't know. You, you see an old man out there finally. And I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like you, you watch for little warning signs and I could be wrong. And Brady could win five more Super Bowls and play till the age of 50. But I think we started to see it go a little bit. And when it goes, it goes quick. We saw that with Drew Brees. And to me personally, um, it's a shame that he doesn't get to go out as a Super Bowl champion for his career. Thankful for the rest of us. He's got <laughs> enough of them. So I'm sure he'll be able to sleep on his seven rings just fine. But to me, I am really looking forward to the Rams. I, I, I think this was kind of, all right, you got to get this first monkey off your back. Kind of like the 94 49ers where they had to start, you know, getting all this stuff off their back. So Steve Young can finally win a Super Bowl. To me, it's a step in the right direction, and I'm, I'm looking forward to next week with them. I was going to save the Brady combo for last, but might as well have it now since you already started it. I, If you asked me this yesterday, I would have said I agree with you. I think Brady was going to retire. Uh, I did not think that at any point leading up to this game, but I do think it would have made a ton of sense given the everything that's going on with the Bucs. I don't think he's really had the most fun this year. I think the Antonio Brown situations and a couple of other things really bothered him. Um, but you didn't have worse in this game. You haven't had Godwin for a little while. Um, I, I think this is what I, I looking into it a little bit deeper. He said, you know, he had a podcast appearance where he said, it's not about what I want. It's about what we want. It hurts my wife to see me get hit all the time. He has never talked like this before really. Um, but what I think is going to happen and he's always said he wants to play until he's 45. I think he's going to announce that next season is his last season in the NFL. I think every great player, for the most part, gets their little farewell moment. They get their farewell tour, whether they win the Super Bowl when that happens or not. That, you know, it, it, it depends. Um, everyone kind of knew Peyton was out the door. Everyone knew this year Ben Roethlisberger was done. Last year, everyone kind of knew Philip Rivers was done. This, to me, with Brady, given that he is probably way ahead of all of those guys I just listed, um, as far as, like, uh, number one on all the quarterback rankings, I would say. I think that Tom Brady's going to get like a Derek Jeter like send off and you can hate the Yankees, but <laughs> they really <laughs> did go all out with Jeter's last season. And I expect the Bucks to do this with Tom Brady here and he'll get his just desserts. He'll either get booed or cheered from all the fans that he goes and plays in front of at the end of the day, we are watching a legendary football figure. And I think he's going to milk the shit out of that next year. I do think in his heart that he is still a competitive, competitive asshole. And he's never going to give up. And I would be not shocked at all if the Bucs made another run next year and uh, and won another Super Bowl to send Tom off with that. I don't think he's going to walk away with the loss that he just had. 
I think it's more of an acceptance to him if he knows, hey, I uh, this is all I got and this is what I'm willing to give and it wasn't good enough. I think that he has another year left in him and maybe we do see a significant drop off next year between his play. But I do happen. I just have this feeling that he convinces Giselle and his family and the Bucks to say, give me one more run. I think we could win a title and then I'm going to walk away for good. And I, I happen to think we get Tom Brady one more time in 2022. So. But it's weird. It's weird knowing Brady's almost done. It feels like he's just been a staple in all of our lives for so long. Um, but credit to the Rams. Uh, you watch this game, the Rams' speed, so much different. The youth, so much different. And I never even saw this side of Stafford. I don't know if you saw this, but after he threw that ball to Cup, he is laser-focused, just making sure everyone gets down the field. And I think it was um, Beckham who said that <laughs> Stafford was in a dark place. And then Stafford after, he's like, hey, sometimes you have to go to that place. Uh, and you have to you have to get there to, to do what you need to do. I've never heard of that from Stafford before. I love that. I mean, if that's the staff, we're going to get a killer in Stafford. Stafford. Um, I like them even more going forward because I think we both had real doubts about Stafford coming in. Uh, but this game, he played really well. And Cup, Cup, I know everyone loved Taylor and Henry, but Cup is probably the best non quarterback playing football player left in the playoffs. He is unreal. He's nine for one, 183 in a touchdown in this game. The, the, the 70 yarder was huge. And then the play at the end to set him up, absolutely ridiculous. And then having Beckham and everyone loves, you know, making fun of me, loves making fun of OBJ, but having him, especially with Robert Woods getting hurt right afterwards has been an absolute blessing for the Rams. He went six for 69 and was really just really nice to have for Stafford. So good for the Rams. Happy for uh, McVay. I mean, I'm a big McVay fan. I like him and we'll see what happens next week. But overall, the Rams were the clearly the better team in this game. And the Bucs just felt kind of old and injured and to the point where they couldn't, you know, couldn't block them or keep up. And missing worse was massive in this game, too. Yeah. Yeah. Von Miller had a big game. So not to take anything away from Von Miller. Um, really great game from him. Just just think about next year. If they can bring back OBJ with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, I mean, that's a hell of an offense with a healthy Cam Akers. Yeah. Would not shock me, though, because Odell's a free agent. He was talking to Brady for a while after that game. If Brady comes back, do not be surprised if Beckham was playing with Tom Brady because he's always loved Brady. He's always called him the GOAT, always had a massive amount of respect for him. Godwin's a free agent. Would not yeah. shock me if they just replaced Godwin's role with, with Beckham and then Brady gets Gronk to come back for one last year as well because Gronk won't play with anybody else. Yeah. So would not shock me if that's what we're looking at here with the Bucks next year. And Fami asks in the comments, why so early? Hey, noon Easter time is our Tuesday show, baby. Welcome to the club, man. <laughs> yep, yep. We, we did shift times. We just thought, you know what? To give the people a little pick-me-up during their work day, mm -hmm. you know, give them a little shot of the audible. Yeah, and if you are uh... – you know, you, you got you just watch Good Morning Football and you're, you're, you still want more of a football kick. You know, just come hang out with us. I mean, we're not as pretty as Kay Adams, but hey, you know, we, we still can give you some good football analysis. So, all right. Well, one last game to talk about. And we saved this one for last for obvious reasons. But Saturday night, the number one seed in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, welcoming in the San Francisco 49ers. You and I overlooked the big time aspect of this game, Matt. Uh, and it was the curse of the Packers in the postseason at home. <laughs> now seven losses at Lambeau Field in the last 15 years. That is remarkable to think about. And uh, I haven't blamed Rodgers for a lot of the playoff losses or failures, but I feel like I have to blame him partially for this one. Um, the, not, the Packers just laid an absolute egg in this spot. They came out buzzing. They scored a touchdown in the first quarter, and I thought this game was over with. And the Packers were still moving the ball down the field. It changed the game to me. 
Fred Warner pokes the ball out. I believe it was uh, Mercedes, I forgot who it was. Mercedes, Mercedes Williams Lewis. Yeah, or Lewis. Yeah, thank you, Mercedes uh, Lewis. And that changed the game after that. Um, and then the Niners defense really was on top of things from then on. And the Packers defense only gave up six points in this game and still found a way to lose. And it was the Packers' worst special teams unit in the NFL that let them down. A punt blocked uh, in the fourth quarter was recovered for a touchdown, and that was the difference of the game. The Niners win this one 13-10 to 10 without scoring an offensive touchdown, and the Packers just totally, totally choke, disappointing. And, look, Aaron Rodgers can complain or blame whoever he wants. You did not score a touchdown after the first quarter, and you failed to score more than 10 points at home as the one seed. To me, this is on the Packers' offense just as much as anyone else. Oh, boy. I, you know, as a Bears fan, I'm ecstatic for this loss because Robbie Gold kicked it through and sent Aaron Rodgers and that Packers team home. Well, I mean, they're already home, but, you know, they're, they're not in the playoffs anymore. Um, the thing that always bothers me about Aaron Rodgers is he's such a petty human being, and he doesn't get over players' mistakes that his teammates make. So Mercedes Lewis fumbled the ball. He didn't look his way even though he was wide open on multiple plays for almost the rest of the game. And Mercedes Lewis, if he just goes to him more often and gives him those more opportunities, Packers probably win this game. Uh, you got to give credit to the Packers defense for basically not allowing San Francisco to do much of anything. If I'm a 49ers fan, I don't feel emboldened by the performance that I watched because knowing that you got, uh, let's just face it. The Packers had the worst special teams in the NFL this year. Everyone saw it from the moment the Bears returned the punt on them. And they just, the special teams was just awful all year long. And that's what cost them this game. That block punt doesn't happen. Packers win this game. So there was a series of events here. Roger makes more plays and that's what he has to do. This falls on Aaron Rodgers. I completely agree. We can blame the special teams. You Mm -hmm. can't blame the Packers defense. Special teams responsible for 10 points, you know, off the board, the missed field goal and then that one. And then on the field goal to win the game, the Packers only had 10 men on the field. At the end of the day, it just, it comes down to this. When you let a team hang around and and, and you let them stay in the game, instead of delivering death blows, this is what you get. You get what you deserve. And the Packers absolutely deserve to lose this game putting up 10 points when you were driving the ball up and down the field. And all of a sudden you stopped. As soon as Mercedes Lewis fumbled, the entire game shifted. And then they were able to drive. They were in field goal range, missed a field goal. It's just too many mistakes by this team. We give Brady a lot of grief for playing against the Jets, for playing Mm -hmm. against the Bills, for playing against the Dolphins. Aaron Rodgers has had to compete against Three of the dumbest franchises I've seen in a long time, and that's the Bears. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. The Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. For us to say, to sit here and say that Aaron Rodgers had a difficult road to the playoffs is false. He hasn't. The one time he went to the Super Bowl was when the they played the Bears in the NFC Championship game. Uh, the Look, I could say a lot of things. He's a great quarterback. He's, you know, a, a lot of things. But the one thing that always bothered me about it is that when you need a chance, you know, just like, just do it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't do it. And that's the difference. That's why I compare Aaron to LeBron James. 
they're always going to make, you know, the sound play, you know, and sometimes they hold grudges. The thing with Michael is, and Kobe and some of these great players, this is where I draw my parallels to basketball, is like they just do it. Brett Favre was like that. Brett Favre would just will something to happen. It'd be the dumbest, idiotic play that should have never happened, that no one should ever try to make that throw, but Brett Favre did it. Aaron Rodgers is not that guy. And when you want championship quarterbacks, like you see, like Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes makes a lot of ill-advised throws, but somehow it works out for them. Josh Allen made some ill-advised throws, except when Gabriel Davis was wide open a ridiculous amount of times. But this is my my issue with Rodgers. It's just, it's always sound. He's going to get you there, but it's just, it, it just leaves too much to be desired. Will he go down? as the greatest statistical quarterback that ever played, I think so. The, the, the numbers are too unbelievable to say that, you know, this guy's that. I would take Aaron Rodgers on the Bears right now. Okay, just, just give me a chance. The guy's going to give you 35-plus touchdown passes a year and only four interceptions. That's about what it comes down to. You can win a hell of a lot of games that way. Yeah, and I just want to address something in the comments. Henry says, finally, we were coming around to everything he's been saying. And I think that for the most part, um, the team around Rodgers has let him down more than he's let them yeah. down. And this game in particular, I think it's the opposite. When you're when it comes down to how well the special teams plays, I don't think you should have even been in that situation. The Packers offense did not help them at any point in time where if the Packers offense just moved the ball, scored points, it wouldn't have mattered if they blocked a punt. It wouldn't have mattered if they missed a field goal. The rest of the team, did, uh, the Rodgers and the offense really let down for the rest of the team. It's three phases here. Obviously, the special teams did not do their job. But to me, it should have never, ever come down to that. And when, it, when you let that happen, you deserve the blame there. For the most part, all of the other title games, uh, Rodgers kind of is the reason that they're even there and the team's not good enough. The defense gets gashed or some egregious thing happens and it's not, it has anything, it doesn't have anything to do with Rodgers. In this particular game, I felt like he was just disinterested a lot of the time. And I don't understand why. I mean, this is, this is what you, you dubbed this the last dance. You during quarantine and COVID watched Michael Jordan's documentary about the last dance. And you said, hey, this is our version of that. One massive thing is missing here, Aaron Rodgers. Michael Jordan willed the Bulls to victory that season with an old roster, a coach that was out the door, and a team that he didn't know what the future of that was. You had your moment to do that here, and you did not do it. Michael Jordan got the strip of Carmelo at the end of that game and buried the jump shot over the Utah Jazz. And what did you do, Aaron Rodgers? You didn't get the job. You you forced the ball to Devontae Adams when he was double covered, when all you had to do was look to the left, and Alan Lazard was wide open on the other hash mark. And I'm not just mad about that because of my touchdown parlay. I'm mad about that because you had a chance to actually win this game and you failed to do so. Because from an Irish perspective, I know no one's going to apologize for it. And sometimes you need to be lucky. But holy hell, this was not a clean game or a nicer, attractive game by any means by the Niners standards. Um, they got they they played tough defense when they needed to, and they looked overwhelmed by the cold early on. So I'm impressed, and they'll give them credit for that. But offensively, this was a mess. You know, they, they scored six points on offense. Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 on 19, 131 yards, two uh, one pick, but it should have been two picks. But holy hell, he made some brutal decisions in this game. They they tried to run the ball. They did okay, I guess, but still hardly uh, 100 yards on the ground. The Packers defense did everything they needed to to win this game, and if I am 
Sedarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, all those guys in the Packers defense. I am just livid. And I go, Rodgers, you you had the right to blame us in the past. You do not have anything. You can't say anything to us right now. This was their time. And now they're $50 million over the cap. They have to pay Devontae Adams. I have no idea what happens to Green Bay in the future, but this was the moment for them. And they totally blew it. And I, seven, seven home losses. All Lambo in the playoffs in the last 10 years. It's crazy. It's hard to even imagine that that many happened. But you look back and it's true. It's crazy. Yeah. This is the one year where I'm going to blame Rodgers. The other yeah. ones, not so much. The Tampa Bay game, I'm putting the ball in my best player's hand, which is Aaron Rodgers, and letting him make a play for a touchdown. Because I know a field goal is just not going to do it for me because I don't believe Tom Brady is going to give me a chance again. Um, Randy, just Albert Breer, I'm – seeing is reporting that ryan poles will be the bears next gm oh so it looks like we have some movement on that um the bears are the second team to hire a gm it sounds like so we got some news there and he was uh interviewing for the giants job so that's uh seems like a young guy who really no i mean works with the chiefs assistant general manager there so it, that, that's a that's a really good hire i like that for you guys a lot is albert breer reputable i know he does the si stuff but not I mean, he's I mean, if he's saying, is it, is he saying that they're, they're leaning that way or is he reporting what they've agreed? Um, someone's telling me he said it on ESPN 1000 20 minutes ago. All right. Well, it doesn't seem like it's confirmed, but it seems like that there, when there's smoke, there's fire. So would not be shocked if that's, uh, you know, confirmed by the end of the day. So, but yeah. All right. Well, just to get back on the Rogers conversation, because I wanted to end with, with this for this reason. So what's, what is exactly the future here? Because they restructured this contract for it to expire now. What is going on? Like they are not in a situation where they can continue to pay him. They can't even really pay Devontae Adams. I mean, they could gut their defense, gut some players here and there. But Rodgers has already said that he does not want to be a part of a rebuild. Um, what do you, so I'll say this without my gut feeling is that he's going to retire. I don't have no reason to back that up with anything other than how he dejected. He sounds a lot of the time about a lot of this. And Seeing how social media just dunked all over him during this loss. I don't know if you paid attention. They were making fun of him for the vaccine stuff, uh, all this other crap that he's been spoken. He's all of a sudden very political all the time. When you're outspoken like that, the Internet is going to dunk on you no matter what side it's on. Aaron Rodgers, I feel like now is ready to just call it a career and say, I have nothing else left to prove and just move on. That's me. Maybe he'll want to play somewhere else where he thinks he has a chance to win, but Matt, what do you think is going to happen now with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? I think Aaron Rodgers plays for the Broncos next year. Um, Everything is lining up that way. It sounds like the Broncos are really pursuing Nathaniel Hackett, who's the Packers offensive coordinator. Um, They're going to try to make it as comfortable for him as possible in Denver. And to me, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, I know his fiance is very outdoorsy. Um, likes to do a lot of stuff out there. So I just, I, closer to LA, obviously, I don't think there's any California openings. I don't think the 49ers are going to pursue him. I don't think he retires. Um, but man, what, what a meat grinder that AFC West would be with Rogers, Carr, Herbert, and Mahomes. It'd be something, but my prediction's Denver. All right. I think it remains to be seen that he plays at all. Um, I have doubts. And honestly, if Brady hangs it up too, the NFC quarterback scenario here, uh, the picture of all the NFC quarterbacks is just a huge tier below what we have going on in the AFC right now. Because you have Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, 
Lamar Jackson, like it, the list goes on and on for how many great AFC quarterbacks. If if uh, Brady and Rodgers were to hang it up, what are we looking at here in the NFC? It's Stafford, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Who else is, is up there with a great quarterback? Not really anyone. Dak. You try, Dak kind of showed me he wasn't like he wasn't healthy this year, so I don't know. I mean, the, the NFC quarterback picture looks really bleak, and both of these guys are tired, and there's not a ton of movement, which there could be movement, but. The AFC is clearly going to go on this run to me of dominance, especially with quarterback play over the next decade. I think the big thing to keep an eye on is a couple of spots. Um, 49ers are going to be counting on Trey Lance. Bears are going to be counting on Justin Fields. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts, I, I don't know if he takes that next step. Lamar Jackson type. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do like Dak, but yeah, that's kind of iffy. Um you know, the, the NFC South used to have Breeze and Brady, you know, last year, and now that's gone. So there are a lot of questions. And I, I posed it in our group chat the other day. I mean, how far do you have to go down the list before you get to an NFC quarterback when we talk about the top 10 or even the top 12? Yeah. Because because right now, Randy, I got Mahomes. I got Allen. I got Burrow. I got Herbert. I, I may throw Lamar Jackson in there. When he's on, he's really good. Um. You know, Mac Jones looked, I mean, you could think Mac Jones, not that bad. Trevor Lawrence is still a young pup and he could ascend up there pretty quickly. Deshaun Watson, where's he going? What is he doing? This is, it it could get pretty ugly for the NFC and the quarterback. When, when Matthew Stafford, your leading guy in the clubhouse or Dak Prescott, leaves a lot to be desired. I'm I'm still a big fan of Russell Wilson, but he has not played well (laughs) the second half of 2020 and did not play that well in 2021. So we'll see what happens with Russell Wilson as well. And Deshaun Watson could be in the NFC, and if he is, then that's probably a representative in that list. But overwhelmingly, the AFC has all of these great guys right now. It's pretty pretty remarkable. So um, we'll see what happens there. But I I just have this feeling about Rodgers where he was all in on this year and – you know, maybe he doesn't want to be a farm and move on and play somewhere else. He, he wanted to be a lifelong Packer and he, he'll just move on knowing that the Packers don't have something better than him and that it'll be struggling with love. And he could just sit back and go, Hey, maybe you should have treated me better. Or, you know, who knows they, they treated him fine, but maybe you should listen to me, whatever he wants to say. And just, you know, take solace in that he's got a ring. He's one of the best to ever do it. He might win MVP this year and we'll see what happens from there. So I think we get one year officially. I think we get one more year left of Brady and I think Rogers uh, we've seen the end of him, but who knows? Well, I cannot wait to see what happens, Matt Bushnell. Um, but so that wraps up for our recap show of the divisional round so many exciting moments. Um, so many interesting storylines going forward. Um, but before we come back Thursday, Matt, why don't you tell us about some of the other podcasts under our life group umbrella? Uh, one second here, Randy. Um, sure. Fami said Brad Biggs very in the bears. It was hinting at this in the score earlier. Mike Florio saying Ryan Poles will be the GM before the end of the day for Chicago. Aaron Lemming, who's very connected to the Bears, said Ryan Poles is the Bears' next GM. So it sounds like this is going to be a done deal before the end of the day. So Bear fans, start getting your pitchforks ready and start getting angry. Ryan Poles, Ryan Pace, you guys love the guys. Ryan Pease, don't you? I just hope to God we don't na- don't have a head coach with the first name Matt. Let's just stay away from that because I do not need to hear Ryan and Matt are our football people. But love the name Matt, but let's not go down that road again. What if they hire you? What if they call you? I, I would politely decline. Um, I have a lot of respect for these coaches, and I know the time and effort is, and my family time is very valuable to me, so I don't want to give that up. 
It's very, very hard job to get. Very hard job to pull off, especially with a family. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but our well, show, I'm sure, by the time we come back Thursday, we'll have more on the Ryan Poles uh, decision if that's where the Bears end up going. It seems like that's where they are headed. Um, and maybe we'll have head coaches to talk about on Thursday as well. So interesting. Uh, and then the Vikings will just be the only team without a GM. And, you know, we'll see. No, nope, nope. The Raiders. That's right. Mike Mayock has gone too. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So the Raiders and Vikings both need GMs, and we'll see what happens with both of them. Um, I don't know if it'll be by Thursday, but it seems like the Bears at least will be, and both of us will be looking for a head coach, and maybe the Giants will be close. So, yep. so all right. Well, other sports going on, Matt Bushnell. Other things and, that don't need then, GMs, Randy. Uh, other podcasts. I mean, we, we have a GM and that's you. You do a great job GMing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. You set a fantastic lineup, but we do have podcasts that don't have GMs, uh, to my knowledge. And a, a collective bargaining agreements, but they're talking at least. So that's a step forward with baseball. Yeah, they, they are talking. And hopefully we get a Dong City episode with Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr., Wednesday, come on, boys, just do it. There's some smoke. There's some fire. They're mm-hmm. meeting again today. They met yesterday. I'm not sure how much bargaining is actually going on because the players didn't give up anything that they previously had, but they said, hey, you know what? This free agency thing, we can keep it at six seasons. Um, but that's going to be interesting. And then we have Felipe in Austin. I even think our good friend Dan Butler joined the podcast this past Sunday. some fantasy baseball and some baseball news so check them out if i mean fantasy baseball is coming up soon if you're a competitive degenerate who likes gambling and football is no longer in your life fantasy baseball is there to pick up that slack so listen to those guys they do a great job on total basis podcast and then we have the step back podcast this monday with jacob anthony moses and leon tompkins um it, it seems like jacob is a very staunch grayson allen supporter who's one of the dirtiest human beings to ever play a professional sport. I hope he gets in a car accident and is crippled for the rest of his NBA career. Um, the guy does not need to play basketball. Go play football, you punk bitch. Um, so ho- hopefully those guys discuss all of what's going on in the basketball world as they usually do. They do a great job. Very excited to listen to the step back again. I wish I could have joined the boys on Monday. I, I was battling some very debilitating throat issues is what I could say. But, and then we're back, Randy, Tuesday. Well, I mean, we're back Thursday, which will be Thursday at two o'clock Eastern, but we all know that, but we're back again on Thursday for our conference review. Oh my God. Conference championship review. And most likely one show next week. uh, If, if, if the, if it goes that way, because We'll have a whole other week to talk about the Super Bowl, and we'll do a Super Bowl special with the guys, and that'll be that's always a fun show, and we'll do that again. Uh, that'll be our third edition of the Super Bowl special. That's pretty crazy that we've been doing this long enough to have three of those under our belt. But you know, you wishing that Grayson Allen would be <laughs> crippled or most of his career reminded me. You ever watch Ted? <laughs> and when Mark Wahlberg sees Joel McHale hitting on his wife, and he goes, I hope you get Luke Garrick's disease. <laughs> that's what that reminded me of. <laughs> It's like the worst thing ever. You can wish on somebody, but the tone that you said it, it just reminded me of that. So, <laughs> hey, if anyone in the in the professional sports world deserves Lou Gehrig's disease, it's Grayson Allen. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Uh, so uh, Henry said he wants in. We'll definitely have Henry on here coming up. So the designers obviously are still relevant, so he'll definitely be a part of our, our programming <laughs> in the near future. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Matt, you have any parting words? Because we're going to say thank you here in a second, but I wanted to get you one last uh, so one last word in before we say goodbye. Grayson Allen's a punk bitch. <laughs> Uh, maybe Grace Allen's the uniting force that this podcast needed, <laughs> given yeah. how many things the, giant, the Giants and Bears and the Bulls and the Lakers have done to us. So maybe that's what it is. Grace Allen is just the overall picture of hate for both of us. Yeah, uh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us on Facebook Live and participating in the comments. We greatly appreciate all the interaction. Uh, for watching us only on YouTube, thank you so much for just enjoying our faces. I don't, I don't know why, but you do, so thank you for that. Uh, and if you don't enjoy our faces, I really I don't blame you. And thank you for listening to us on our audio-only platforms, uh, wherever you may be and however you may be doing it. Just overall, we're greatly appreciative of the time you take with us because, hey, we love doing this, but we're not anything without people hanging out and, and enjoying us what we say. So thank you guys so much we'll be back on thursday to do our official championship weekend predictions i cannot wait on behalf of matt bushel i'm randy hammond saying see you guys on thursday